hello, everybody. My name is Nick. I'm here with my co-host, Bianca. Welcome to the Encore Corner podcast. Today, we are happy to welcome Heidi Bridenhagen to the podcast from Doe Wines. Uh, Heidi, let's start by having you introduce yourself. Give us a little bit about your background and how you uh, started with Doe. Sure. Um, yeah, as you said, I'm Heidi and in Sonoma County, California for almost 15 years. Um, I uh, studied biochemistry. That's kind of my training where what I went to school for and found myself in Sonoma County uh, on a wine tasting trip with my sister and I never left. So <clears throat> it was a little bit of an unconventional start, um, but the kind of combination between uh, biochemistry that it takes to make wine and the atmosphere, the environment of Sonoma County and just how um, I've always loved food. I've always loved friends and family and the entire culture. So um, again, that kind of uh, happenstance situation, being in wine country um, just kind of got me hooked. So I started in a lab, which was a natural place to start. Um, kept working harvests and then uh, actually landed at McCrosty Winery where I also make wine, um, where I really focused into Pinot Noir and Chardonnay. So <clears throat> that kind of, um, you know, I've, I was with McCrosty for 12 years and it was kind of time to play around with something new. And this opportunity to work with the James Beard Foundation came up with Doe Wines and um, a bit of a passion project. So a way to blend something that I love doing, which is making wine with philanthropy and good food um, just seemed like a really great next step in my career. Perfect. And I did read online in the uh, bio and do that you did get to spend some time exploring Europe too, when you were uh, getting started on this journey. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, sure. Um, yeah, that was actually before the the part where I ended up in California, but I, I left college and was just sort of trying to figure out the next step. And uh, it, it seems a little stereotypical, but it was actually this amazing adventure. I spent almost six, uh, six months there, went through a lot of different countries in Eastern and Western Europe. And what I really took away from the trip was not it's not just every country it's every little town throughout europe has its own wine and it's often wine that's made in their basement out of these varietals you know they don't even talk varietals they're just like oh well this is what's planted and um everyone was just so welcoming and you know they offer you a little wine and they offer you their traditional dish and you sit down and it was just you know even if we didn't share a language we shared food wine stories laughs and that just kind of added a layer to when I did get to California and saw the wine industry there that it was just something that I wanted to be part of so yeah that's amazing and I think being able to try wine and kind of see the winemaking process in different regions can really help obviously to inform what you do now and, and give you that insight um one thing with the holiday season's coming up, and this is going live right before Christmas, um, 
is you guys do a lot with philanthropy, as you mentioned, and specifically with the James Beard Foundation and your annual donation program. Um, so can you tell us a little bit more about your philanthropic efforts and, and what compels you to get involved in that way? Sure. Um, you know, we decided that, um, you know, as Doe Wines, that we really wanted to partner with someone that knew the whole job of being philanthropic and knew how to make an impact. And in fact, the James Beard Foundation has what are called impact programs. So, you know, what we wanted to do is do what we're good at, make amazing wines, make wines that pair with food, that can be brought to the you know, family of chefs that the James Beard Foundation already has. Um, and you know, some of the proceeds of our brand then can be given back to the James Beard Foundation and they can handle putting it to where it's gonna make the biggest difference. Um, <clears throat> you know, so again, I think that that helped with me because you know, I didn't need to learn a whole new job of how to start. A philanthropy and how to how to do that. I got to focus on the wines and just make sure that they taste great with food. Make sure that people want to buy them so that we can do the good with the wines. So. And along with the foundation, you also work with a lot of chefs and sommeliers in that space. Are there some chefs and sommeliers that you really love to work with or any projects that really stand out to you that have gotten you just extra excited? Um, I've worked with a lot of different chefs. Um, <clears throat> most recently, I was in New York and worked with um, Chef Aisha, and that was an amazing experience. Um, you know, there are too many, honestly, there are too many to really, to, to really speak to specifically. Um, but you know, what I will say to that is that, you know, chefs have their own palettes. And I actually, when I created this brand, you know, this brand was not about me making a wine for me. It was a wine to make for the chefs and make for the people that are going to be drinking it. And so I actually sat on a panel and kind of tasted a group of chefs through some different kind of styles, options, and things like that. And, um, you know, what really came out of it is that they all wanted a little something different. Um, they all wanted it very unique, um, but they also wanted it to taste good with, a, you know, a lot of different palates. So, you know, I think that's been what's so fun is that these wines are quite versatile and someone cooking, you know, an Asian dish over here and an Italian dish over here, you know, you can go on for days. Um, these wines can kind of bring out the flavors that work the best with their dish. And, you know, I think that's what really uh, felt like success for me is watching all these different people enjoy them and think that they work and make their dishes taste better. So that's great. That's excellent. Now, when it comes to pairing wine and food, so a lot of us will start with, you know, a wine and then, oh, what's going to go good with this wine and then build our meals off of that. I know that's what I personally do when I have a bottle that I'm opening up. I want to make sure I maximize it. You're kind of working backwards there where you're trying to make a wine that will work with a lot of foods. So what goes into the actual winemaking process there where you're tailoring these wines to be friendly towards all sorts of different foods? That's a great question. You know, um, 
you know, a lot of people in wine um, talk about, you know, single vineyards and a sense of place and a wine being really specific. And I actually went the opposite way. And we work with regions, um, our Pinot Noir is from Oregon, and there's a lot of different uh, geographic uh, differences in the state of Oregon. And then in California, we decided to kind of use a broad appellation, which is a viticulture growing region called the North Coast. Um, so there are actually some warmer areas such as Alexander Valley or Napa Valley. And then it also encompasses cooler regions along the coast. Um, Sonoma County, uh, Mendocino is a little bit cooler. So basically by using these broader, bigger regions, I was able to really layer in what you get from those different areas. So take a Sauvignon Blanc, you can get a very rich kind of tropical um, from the warmer regions. And then in the cooler regions, you bring out the kind of grassy notes and citrus layers. And you can kind of round out a mouthfeel, but keep a really nice acid. So by kind of having all of those different buckets, it's really about whatever food is pairing with it will then kind of enhance what's there. So that was kind of the, the out in approach, I guess. <laughs> and you're working a lot with foods and wines and chefs and all different professionals. But you personally, when you're sitting down for dinner and you're looking at a menu, what are you usually leaning towards? Is there one type of cuisine or one type of flavor that you really, really always go back to? Okay, so the question is, is there a type of cuisine that I go to typically? Generally, yeah. If it's not, it could be like a specific dish if you have like that dish, but <laughs> you can you can interpret it however you want to. <laughs> Um, you know, I would say the, the idea of just like the perfect dish is honestly like a fresh bruschetta where I've grown almost all the ingredients. So like the onion, the tomato, the basil, and then you add some like delicious olive oil, balsamic, um, you know, fresh baked bread that's actually one of the things and I, I think it really means like spring or summer to me um and it's probably like my one of the the favorite just sort of like muscle memory palette teasers that I have that's a great answer now do you do a lot of uh growing your own you big into growing your own food uh yes and no I love gardening I um when I first moved here and had, so I'm from Wisconsin, so I had like a three month growing season and then all of a sudden it was like eight months. I planted way too many tomato plants, way too many everything. So I've gotten to the point where I'm like, okay, I have to just grow like what I can eat because <laughs> otherwise I, the, I'm not in the whole canning game. So yeah. <laughs> I did the same thing this year. I way overplanted, and my husband was like, what are we going to do with all of this? I made so much sauce. I know. I know. It was actually, it's, it was a fun, um, it was a fun, like, back and forth with friends, though, because we're like, we have way too many tomatoes. Like, what can you make with tomatoes that's not tomato sauce? <laughs> so, yeah. 
And to get a little bit further into the foods that you like to pair the wines with. So I personally, I opened up the uh, 2020 Sauvignon Blanc. That's what I have right here. Now Bianca opened up a couple over there as well to taste. But we are getting into the holidays. You know, uh, we mentioned, so coming up here, this is going to be out right about Christmas time here. And what are some of your favorite holiday dishes, be it Thanksgiving, Christmas, uh, or just a special dish that you like to make? around that time to share with friends and family that goes really well with these different wines? Um, yeah, I mean, easy answers. Um, I mean, honestly, I think you could have a bottle of each of these wines at your Thanksgiving dinner or your Thanksgiving day or your Christmas day, because I'm that person that, you know, I might be opening the Sauv Blanc uh, in the morning, uh, you know, afternoon to start the cooking process. And you know, it's something fresh and fun that you could maybe have with like the breakfast you're having while you're cooking the big meal. Um, you know, the Chardonnay has so much complexity, richness. It, you know, think I'm like immediately thinking of like the stuffing, the mashed potatoes that you cover with butter and gravy. Um, and then of course you get into the reds with Pinot Noir and the Cabernet. Um, I think those would not only go with the mains, but you could actually serve those with the desserts. Um, there's a lot of nice like oak and spice in there that you could would go with a pecan pie or a pumpkin pie. Um, you know, let's let's forward to Christmas. Um, I always serve um, a Danish puff, which is the dessert, and a and a fresh quiche with veggies for the morning, so that nobody actually has to cook, but you have some healthy food and some fun food. So again, you know, we Doe also has a sparkling wine. So open a sparkling wine on Christmas day, have that with your quiche, um, you know, bring that into your dinner with the other three wines that are, um, again, gonna hold up to anything. So I don't know, I hate to tell people what they should eat on Christmas day, but um, whether it's your roast beef, uh, have that with the cab, um what do you guys like to have on your christmas day we always uh i guess kind of like potluck style right nick where we all kind of bring a different dish so everybody brings what they would like to have i've been very fond of just building gigantic charcuterie boards so that's been my my latest thing but um <laughs> trying to do more actual cooking and uh, I think a lot of savory flavors, like we we love doing a lot of savory dishes. Nick smokes a lot of foods and um, we're always yeah. happy to do some like- You're cool. burying the lead here, Bianca. Sorry. Christmas day. Oh. So if you didn't know, Bianca is my sister. So we've done a lot okay. of Christmases together here. Bianca, what do we have every Christmas day for eternity? Your, my dad's meatballs. Some meatballs. And we actually <laughs> use- wine goes into making those and I think that it goes perfectly hand in hand I always when I make them myself because I have uh I've taken that recipe now as well and I've been known to do it away from Christmas too because I can't wait all year for them uh Cabernet is uh what I put in there and I could definitely enjoy those along with them but definitely a lot of Italian foods around the holidays for us and a lot of those nice. pasta dishes the red sauce heavy ones I definitely like a nice strong red wine to go along with those yeah, absolutely. Well, and honestly, like, I think during the holidays, it's like you almost get to the end of the evening and you just need like a nice, dry, big red wine just to almost like cleanse your palate. 
<laughs> you know, just something to sip on and relax. So outside of wine, is there any other uh, liquors or drinks that you like to gravitate towards? Oh, yes, you're gonna make me sound like a lush, but um, well, I, I love IPAs and me and my uh, husband love craft breweries. So we're kind of fanatics about like, when we travel, we find the little good spots. Um, and then, you know, I'm a, I am a Wisconsinite, so you can't take me away from my gin. And I think gin is actually one of the most unique spirits there are, just like all the botanicals you can put in it. And it's just seems like such an artisanal experience. And, um, you know, whether it's just basically gin or add some olive juice, or you can make fun cocktails with it. I think it is really interesting. Um, but yeah, you know, there's not actually something I don't like. However, I will say maybe the biggest thing about me is if you give me something and I try it, I don't like it. I usually just, you know, I don't need to drink it. There are plenty of other good things around. <laughs> so. I'm definitely with you on the uh, craft beer. You're not alone there. And gin has been really interesting. It's funny that you mentioned that. I know we have a, an interesting one coming up here soon, but I've been amazed. I was never really too into gin or I never went too deep into gin. It's not that I didn't like it in a mm -hmm. cocktail, but trying a bunch of different ones until we started this podcast in 2020. And since then, we've had a few different distilleries on here that do different kinds of gins. And the breadth of the flavors that you can get out of gin is amazing to me that it's still the same spirit because there's been some that taste almost flavor-wise like a uh, whiskey, while other ones are super, uh, super herbal. The one that we have coming up soon is uh, Mexi Gin. Uh, that one's going to be, it's almost like, what is it, Bianca? It's tequila-inspired gin or a Mexican-inspired gin. So I haven't tried that one yet. I'm excited <laughs> for it. But I just, I find it amazing how wide of an array you have there in that gin world. Yeah, for sure. Well, what are some of the things that we can look forward to from Doe in the next, in the next season? <laughs> um well actually one thing that's exciting is we as much as I loved working with uh Oregon we're actually also we're going to be moving to the central coast of California so we're going to be in 2022 we're producing a central coast uh Pinot Noir so that's pretty exciting it's a you know it's another cool climate region known for growing Pinot Noir but kind of an exciting new exploration uh, into that area. Um, we, we've already produced this wine, but we actually make a rosé that went into kegs. So if um, anyone is interested in finding that and trying that, you should reach out because we can let you know where it's on tap. Um, so that was really exciting. And, you know, I think, um, the other exciting things are just some of the events we have planned with the James Beard Foundation. And um, I don't I don't know our specific calendar, but I know we have a lot uh, coming up for the new year um, and a lot to, you know, we'll be with chefs. We'll be uh, trying to do things with um, I know Jennifer Bushman, who is really into uh, sustainability in with seafood. <laughs> So I think we're going to be up in Seattle at some point. So 
lots lots of good things on the wine front and uh you know out on the road trying to make sure people know all about us and all that we're trying to do so nice now it sounds like to me a big undertaking to move into a completely new region uh from one that you're in right now when you're doing that <laughs> are you working with a partner vineyard that's been growing there for a long time or did you pick a plot of land and you're kind of starting fresh there how does that process work yeah, that's a good question. You know, um, it is a big deal. Um, and I think this is probably where just having been in the industry for quite a while, but you know, before Doe was around, um, I have worked with a lot of vineyards in the area. So yeah, so we're working with some people that I've known for quite a while and vineyards that I've worked with before. Um, so nothing too new. It's a, you know, completely new program and you know we're putting together new wines but i'm not uh i i'm pretty pretty voiced in the region and and what we can get from what vineyards and things so we have some closer to the ocean some a little inland um you know lots of uh good diversity in the palate so we'll be able to make a wine that's just as intriguing and interesting as the oregon one um but yeah should be good What are you most looking forward to from a, a personal standpoint being somewhere new uh, outside of wine? What are some of the things that you're excited about for yourself? Um, that's a good question too. Uh, lots of things. I guess um, probably the most time consuming thing in my life is I have two children. So a four-year-old and a 18 month old and um, we're gonna be visiting my mom in Wisconsin this December and I'm excited to see her and we're hoping it snows because my four-year-old daughter swears she's never seen snow before, even though she has. So that's a highlight for me. Um, my son is really starting to communicate. So even though that means he gets to have opinions, it's been really fun to watch him and his personality grow. Um, you know, uh, I don't know, there's just so much. Honestly, we just put the 2022 harvest kind of to bed, but in the next couple of weeks, I'll be tasting through all those wines kind of for the first time post vintage. And it's always a really fun experience to do that. And um, I guess outside of wine, um, I don't know. I think travel, I think coming off having a young kid and um, the pandemic, I think next year is really going to be the year that I get to travel and do some personal trips and things like that. So it's always been a big, big part of me and kind of opening uh, my eyes. So it's something I want to do with my kids more and more too. So I think we're going to try camping, though it's slightly terrifying to have a four and a one-year-old running around by poison ivy and things, but I think we're going to do it. <laughs> the good thing about camping is you can definitely ease into it. You can sort of pick places that are a little bit more kid-friendly than others. You don't have to take them straight into the deep woods. So uh, that'll hopefully be a, yeah. a fun, fun, relaxing uh, trip for you too when you first take that on. I'm looking forward to that. But uh when it comes to traveling too, is there anywhere coming up? I know you mentioned taking more personal trips in the new year. Is there anywhere on your bucket list sort of that you haven't been at that you're looking forward to doing next year? Yes. Um, 
I think me and my husband are trying to figure out childcare because we have really want to go to Portugal. So it's actually one of the few uh, European uh, countries I haven't been to. And that idea of going to Lisbon and Porto and we both love Port, um, we're really hoping we can make that happen. So <laughs> I hope all the stars align and that, that that's on our bucket list for sure. Yeah, we have some family who just went and said it was incredible. We saw lots and lots of iPad pictures. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Yeah, we've, we've literally been wanting to go for like five years and it just kind of, you know, family trips and then kids and then pandemic. So we deserve it. <laughs> right. So is there anything else that you'd like to cover before we close out the podcast? Um, obviously, Nick and I are so excited to continue trying the wines with different foods. I have already taken a picture of so many, <laughs> so many dishes that we've done. Um, so you'll be seeing us tagging you guys in those. But um, is there anything else you'd like to cover that we haven't touched on yet? I don't think so. Um, I think I would just re-emphasize that you know, food tastes better with wine, wine tastes better with food. And um, I really tried to make these wines with that in mind. And, uh, you know, don't get too fixed on only trying one dish with one wine, play around with it, explore the flavors. I think that's what's so fun about it. And honestly, I think the more bottles of wine on the table and the more people around the table really are what makes uh, life amazing. So. I think that's a good way to finish it up. <laughs> Absolutely. And we thank you so much for coming on. We greatly appreciate it. We are excited to continue seeing and trying what Doe puts out and seeing what you come up with um, and to see your move into your new area. So all very fun stuff. Um, thank you so much again. And we look forward to hopefully speaking in the future. Sounds good. Well, thanks for having me. This is great. And happy holidays. Thanks. You as well. Cheers. Cheers. Bye. Have a good night. Thank you. at uncorkedcorner.com for a taste of more food and beverage content. And if you enjoyed the show, don't forget to leave a comment, subscribe, rate, and review on whatever podcast platform you prefer. Thanks for listening.